He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. That's our confession before the Lord tonight. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We'll continue our series teaching. This is part three on freedom from the iron furnace. I want to direct our attention to our, what I've been using, we've been using as our foundational text in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter four. We'll go there and we'll, we've been using this as a foundation for these series of teachings. And, uh, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 20 says, But the Lord had taken you, talking about the believer, talking about those who were once in bondage, but the Lord had taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. So we found out through the study of the word that God indeed wants his people to experience something, and that is his inheritance. We are people of destiny and inheritance in Christ. That's my confession. I'm a person of destiny and inheritance in Christ. We found out that the Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us, has a way of covenant relationship or through covenant relationship. And some things that we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to read some scripture. It's going to be like this particular scripture I'm going to start with in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. It's it's like sweet water to me or sweet bread. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, some say it was Paul, some say it wasn't. But whoever wrote it, to me it's like Holy Ghost poetry. Because the words are so powerful and impactful, particularly the scriptures we're about to read to me uh, in chapter 1. Father God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us during this Bible study. Begin to breathe upon your word. Begin to breathe upon your people. Begin to give us divine insight into who we are in Christ, the victory of his cross, and the power of his resurrection. May we never be the same after we hear your word today. May we go from glory to glory. May we grow thereby by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Talking about how God spoke to his old covenant people. Spoke by the prophets, the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. How many of y'all know the last days that they're talking about there are the days that we're living in? Amen? We're living in that dispensation. We are the latter-day church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says God is speaking to us by his son, whom he, God, had appointed heir of all things. In other words, it all belongs to Jesus. By whom also, the Bible says, he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Glory to God. He's upholding all things. Kathy, he's, he's upholding all things by the word of his power. We had a little discussion last Wednesday concerning that. He, God's upholding everything. All the worship, all the praise, everything that we do. <laughs> it's endorsed by God. It's empowered by God. He's upholding all things by the word of his power, the Bible says. That's good news. The Bible says, when he had by himself purged our sins. And then the Bible says, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you see him sitting there tonight? Do you see him seated there tonight? When you see him, when you begin to recognize that he's seated at the right hand of God, the God-man, hallelujah. The one who represents us there. That's where he is. Pastor Angela was talking about Sunday. He's seated there. He, he's ever living to make intercession for us there. That's part of his ministry there right now. At the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels. Glory to God. Has he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they? So the inheritance was earned, hallelujah, by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection. He paid the full price for the inheritance. Amen? Verse 5, For unto... Which of the angels said God at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, <laughs> I will be to him a father. I'm going to ask you a question. When did Jesus at, that, at one point cease to be the son of God? We talked about that last week when he was on the cross. <laughs> the Bible says he became sin for us. That's why Father God is saying, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's significant. That's very significant in our thinking as we go forward. Verse 6, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. Now let's jump down to verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, set on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? Now I want us to remember something. Jesus has just been raised from the depths of sin. He's been raised from the dead. He spent three days and three nights in hell. 
But I want you to notice something, and I wrote this down, that Jesus is not the least bit reluctant to accept God's invitation. He is totally free from bondage or the bondage of the cross and Adam, and his, he has intimacy with the Father, and he knows it. He's not reluctant to take his place at the right hand of God, even though at one point, he was covered with sin. Now, in our thinking, God wants us to begin to think the same way. We were raised from the dead also. We were condemned at one time. The scripture says we were strangers from the covenants of promise. Didn't have any right to believe God for anything because we were living outside of the covenant. Sinners. Bound by Satan. But now once we got born again, God expects us and wants us to accept the benefits of redemption in terms of divine intimacy with him. Same as Jesus did when God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus was not reluctant to sit at the right hand of the Father. He accepted whatever God, the operation of faith had done for him, and he embraced it. And the Bible says, he said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Amen. Now, the book of Philippians said, chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He wants us, God says, He wants us to begin to think like Jesus did when He was raised from the dead. He wants us to embrace the victory of the cross and the power of the resurrection just like Jesus did when he was raised from the dead. We said uh, one, of the, one of the tragic things that uh, the church has really experienced is that we have not yet recognized the totality of the power of the new birth. We have not really embraced it and understood it fully the way God wants us to. But God is wanting to do in this season, he's wanting to shed light, divine light upon this revelation. So that we can begin to walk in power and authority that's ours through the inheritance. Okay? Doesn't happen automatically though. We found that out. It happens as our minds are renewed to the truth. We're transformed by the truth or the Word of God. And we begin to think like new creatures in Christ Jesus. That's, that's our, uh, the thing that we must do. We must begin to think like new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new to us. We have access to things that we did not have access to before we got born again. Like Pastor Goodluck used to say, we are no longer ordinary. We're just not. And we can't think like we're ordinary anymore. 
We got to speak to COVID and tell COVID, get under my feet in Jesus and mean it. And actually mean it. And know that anything that is of the curse is beneath us because of him. It's beneath us. No more can the curse be on Jesus can it be on us. Can you picture the curse being on Jesus today? No. As he is, so are we in this present world. That's what the scripture says. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Get into some more of this. Romans chapter 3. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Verse 21. The Bible says, but, but now, and when I see words like now in my New Testament, I like to underline it because it's a reminder to me that this is present tense. This is something I can embrace. This is something I can experience right now in my generation. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the righteousness of God is ours. We've we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, outside of the law. The law doesn't have anything to do with this. This is a grace thing, amen? We've been made the righteousness of God by God himself. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So I'm I'm made righteous as long as I release my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says, upon all, and unto all, and upon all them that believe. How many of y'all believe tonight? you got to believe this. If you're not going to believe it, you're going to live beneath the privileges that Jesus has for you. You're not going to experience what God has for you if you're not going to believe it. So there has to be a deep-seated belief of these things if I'm going to experience deliverance, the deliverance that God wants me to experience. I, I must take off the grave clothes. I must take off everything that speaks to me that tells me that I am not righteous. If God has deemed me righteous, I'm righteous. Okay? That's first. We, we have to develop that mindset. We have to develop a righteousness consciousness. Most believers are walking around, even though they've been born again for 10, 15 years, still walking around with a sin consciousness. But we've been delivered from that. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We didn't didn't rehearse that one so much. Everybody know that one. (laughs) All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the very next verse says something else. Being justified freely by his grace. Hallelujah. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
So the Bible tells us, yeah, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says we've been justified, made just in the sight of God freely through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Again, that connects us with that new creature reality. We begin to see ourselves through the eyes of faith or through the eyes of what the Word of God says. Or we begin to look at ourselves through the mirror, which is the Word of God. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm looking at myself in the natural, I don't look so good. But when I begin to look at myself through the mirror of the Word of God, I begin to see myself as God sees me. And when I see myself as God sees me, then I can begin, I can begin to experience the things that God wants me to experience by way of His redemption. The very life of God becomes mine. In manifestation. The Zoe light of God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. He's not talking about this natural life. He's talking about the abundant Zoe life of God. The very, listen to me, the very life that God himself enjoys. It's eternal life. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, that's just too much for me. Well, you need to get your mind renewed because this is how God sees you. This is how God views you. This is what God wants you to know about what Jesus has done for you. So I must begin to continue to meditate on the truth. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. We touched on this, this scripture a little bit last week, but I want us to see, I put our eyes on it again because it's powerful. Very familiar scripture, but a lot of times we don't really meditate on it long enough for, us, for it to do us any good. For he had made him to be sin for us. We talked about that last week, how Jesus, when he was on the cross, he became the embodiment of sin. God did that to him. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So again, that's another scripture that we can go to and we can meditate on when the enemy is condemning us. When the enemy is telling you that you cannot experience covenant blessing. When he's telling you that you cannot enter into the throne room of God. You can begin to tell him that I can do that because of what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. We've been made the righteousness of God in him. You got to think about it. God is holy. We all know that, right? He is pure, totally pure. There's nothing that can come into his presence that is not sanctified and cleansed. But yet he tells us that the moment we get born again, we're made to be raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How could we do that if we were not totally righteous and pure? 
There's no way. So the very fact that God allows us this type of access lets us know that God has done some, a miraculous thing in our lives. Glory to God. That's Sister Gideon. She's getting it. See, it, it, when we begin to understand that, we begin to say, you know what? Nothing can keep me out of the presence of God. Because he has done something for me that I could never do for myself. And I embrace that. When I embrace that on a moment-by-moment basis, that's when the power of God begins to flow out of my life. Because I'm, I'm living from here instead of up here. Amen? I'm drawing from the wells of salvation by faith. And I'm understanding what Christ has done for me. He has truly delivered us from the iron furnace into his marvelous, marvelous grace. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, let's go there. Spend a little time in Ephesians. I remember when I first got born again, I stayed in the book of Ephesians. God just led me to the book of Ephesians. I, I meditated on the book of Ephesians for a number of years, man. So much I, I began to uh, memorize some of the prayers in there. Uh, the one in chapter 1 and I think it's one in chapter 3. I memorized those prayers because I wanted, it was something about those, those scriptures that, that just, the Holy Spirit would just lead me there. And I, and I wanted to have an understanding of what those scriptures meant. And it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. But I became more and more hungry for the Word of God. And the book of Ephesians is one of those uh, things that God used. Ephesians 1 and 22 And had put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet. And gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we are the body of Christ. See, We need to get a real revelation of that. That he is the head and we are the body. We are one with him, and everything that he wants done, we can do it because we're part of his body. Amen? Now, the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 1, And you, the body of Christ, hath he quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So the Bible says, that's where we get that we've been raised up or made alive. That's what that word quicken means. It means to be made alive. That's talking about the new birth. That's talking about the power of his resurrection invested in us through Christ. You have to be quickened. God sees us raised just as much as he sees Jesus raised. We talked about that last week. We begin to understand that God sees us. When he, when he saw Jesus raised from the dead, he saw Bill raised from the dead. Amen. And it, it was with the same glory that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he used that same glory to raise you from the dead. Okay? 
It was not a, a, a weakened manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It was the same manifestation of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that raised us from the dead. When we begin to understand that, we begin to understand the power of his resurrection and the availability of that power for us today. Amen. Let's look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ, or made us alive together with Christ. So God, again, he had that perspective. He, in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Amarathia, when he raised Jesus from the dead, he also raised his church from the dead. Glory to God. The Bible says all of this is by grace. He's quickened us together with Christ by grace. So I don't have to earn this. I don't have to earn this position. This position has been given to me by the unmerited favor of God. Something God chose to do. Nobody had to talk God into doing this. Nobody had to talk God into raising us up and seating us in this heavenly realm. I don't have to be ashamed of it. I don't have to explain it to folk who don't believe it. I just have to walk in it, hallelujah. And let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do through me because of that power. So we've been cricking together with Christ. Hold your finger there. And we'll go to Philippians chapter 3. I want to visit there because it's going to kind of connect. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10. Well, I really want to go to verse 9. Let me read. I know that's not in my notes, but I want to read verse 9 and we'll transition into verse 10 and we'll get the full impact of this. And be found in him. This Paul writing and be found in him when he says be found in him, be found in Christ. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. I love Paul. Paul constantly talks about the righteousness of God. And he talks about how when we release faith for it, we can experience the benefits of it. Which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This ain't something that that we've thought up on our own. This is of God. Amen? Verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Glory to God. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The power of his resurrection. And I wrote this down. Paul wanted to experience that resurrection life or that quickening power on the inside of the tomb of Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's what he's talking about. I want to know and experience what Jesus experienced when Jesus was raised from the dead. I want to know about it. I want to release it. I want to use it just like Jesus did. Like I said last week, some theologian said that that was the, the, uh, 
most um, manifested power of God that had ever been released up until that time. The power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. God exerted such great power. They say that that was the most power that God had ever released, even the more power in, than, the, than the creation itself. Now think about that. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you and I right now. See, these are the things that the church needs to meditate on. We need to begin to think about these things. Begin, when we, we, we worship God, we begin, need to begin to worship Him along those lines. And when you begin to worship Him along those lines, letting Him know that you know what He has done, more power is then released. More glory is then released. Because he now can entrust us. He knows my children know what I did for them. Now the power, my power can flow freely through them and glorify me. Hallelujah. But it, 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 it happens as we recognize and understand these things. And Paul knew. He says, I want to know him. I want to have an intimate relationship with him. I want to, I want to talk to him. But I also want to have the power, know the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know what that quickening power of God on the inside of himself. Glory to God. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. So this is, that was Paul's greatest desire. And that's a good desire. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. God would give to Paul that type of manifested understanding, he'll give it to us. One thing I find out about God, that he only feeds the hungry. If you're not hungry for this, you won't get none of this. But when you begin to get hungry for this, then God says he freely begins to feed you. Verse 6, chapter 2. And that raised us up together, talking about you and I, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, I am positioned by God, you're positioned by God in Christ to live a life of divine freedom from Egyptian bondage. The life that Jesus lived on the earth has now been made possible to you and I. That's what, that's what this whole series of teachings is, is what, what God wants to point us to. The revelation that God is not holding anything back. The only thing God holds back is his glory. <laughs> Everything else, he said, my children can have it. They can experience it. Everything that Jesus experienced on the earth as a man, as a covenant man, you and I can experience it because we've been born again by the power of the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go there.
Verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Glory to God. So wherever the Spirit of God is, the Bible says, there's divine liberty and freedom to be and do whatever God says you can be and do. But the next verse is important. But we all with an open face, beholding all has a glass in a... Let me start over. But we all with an open face, beholding has in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Somebody changed. They changed. Into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Bible says that we have access to the Word of God, and as we keep our eyes focused upon the Word of God, the Bible says there's power to change us or to take us from glory to glory in Him. And we begin to live the life that He lived on the earth, because the Bible says, even has the Spirit of the Lord. Into that same image from glory to glory, even has by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I want everything that God says I can have by way of the cross and by way of the resurrection, because He said that we're changed into that same image from glory to glory. Now, the only reason I won't do that is if I'm intimidated by my natural man or the flesh or my mind won't catch up with what my spirit knows. But God is telling us in this season, he wants to take us to another level. And we're going to go there. Because this is our season. This is, this, is our, this is our portion. No more weakness. No more defeat. We're going to have some battles. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have some battles. We will have some battles, no doubt. But we will win every battle in the name of Jesus. Somebody said, well, why are you talking like, you, you, this is what you got to do. You got to begin to say what God says about you. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I don't know about you, but the devil has been trying to kill me ever since I got born again. I'm serious. I'm, 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 I'm dead serious. This has been a fight all the way through. I don't do a lot of talking about it, but I done had some dark days, man. I done had some serious spiritual attacks. I mean, when I got born again, immediately it seemed like Satan began to try to kill me. And I'm serious about that. He tried to kill me very early in my Christian walk because he knew that God had something planned. I don't know. But it's been like that from the beginning. And I've, I've been like this here. I've had to believe like this <laughs> to survive. You know what I mean? 
I've actually had to believe like this to make it to 60 years old. Because if I didn't, I'd be dead. I'd know it. <laughs> I'd know I'd be dead because the enemy has literally tried to kill me. So what I'm preaching, what I'm teaching is real for me. And all God is telling me to do is tell it. Teach my people that they can have victory even though they got battles, they, can, they, they are meant and made to overcome. Matthew chapter 17. I'll show you something. We got to understand who we are in Christ. We got to get a revelation of it. Chapter 17 of Matthew, verses 1 through 2. And after six days, Jesus, taking Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart. So he's taking these three with him to this mountain apart. And the Bible says in verse 2, he was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Now, this is that what they call the Mount of Transfiguration. And what's happening here, among many things, is that Jesus peels back his humanity. That's what the Bible says. He he uh, was transfigured or transformed, and his face shined like the, like the sun. He peeled back his humanity and reveals his deity. They actually are, are seeing the deity of God, the, the, the light of God. God is light. And they see his glory. They actually are able to see his glory. What Moses wanted to see, they got to see. Moses said, show me your glory. They actually got to see it, okay? So this is very significant when we begin to understand that the glory of God, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, was made manifest in that instance. Going back to Ephesians now, with that in mind, chapter 3. So that glorious light that they saw on the mount, the Bible talks about all throughout the New Testament, particularly the writings of Paul. It says here in chapter 3, verse 16, that he would grant you, this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Hallelujah. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in your or in the inner man. So, 
that same glory that Jesus revealed to them, hallelujah, that same Holy Ghost that Jesus revealed to him, to them, that same glory you and I are now filled with, hallelujah. Think about that. Think about that. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost dwells on the inside of each and every one of us. I think about John the Baptist. And Jesus said something about John the Baptist that was incredible. He said, there has not risen a greater prophet than John the Baptist. John the Baptist uh, was a, uh, he lived during the time when Jesus was on the earth, but John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. Y'all know that? He's a prophet of the Old Testament. And what Jesus was saying, he says, there's not risen a greater prophet than John. He was a greater prophet than Moses. He was a greater prophet than Elijah. He was a greater prophet than Jared. All the Old Testament, David, he was greater than David. He was greater than all of them because Jesus said he was. But then he said something. He says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Now, that lets us know, when you understand that, what, what Jesus is saying, he's letting us know that the, that the reason that the weakest believer in the church is greater than John is because John had not yet been born again. John would have the Spirit of God come upon him. But John didn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of him. Makes all the difference in the world. See, John couldn't go in a corner somewhere and get to praying in the Holy Ghost like you and I can. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't. He wasn't, he wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he, he was not filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Spirit of God was on him. He's a great prophet. But he did not have access to the things that you and I have access to as new co- covenant believers. He was under the old covenant. So when you and I run into a brick wall... All we have to do is get alone until we're not alone anymore and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and begin to pull down strongholds that John couldn't pull down. John couldn't walk on certain devils like we can. Yeah. (laughs) We need to get hold of this. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Uh, That's a whole nother teaching right there. (laughs) That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The anointing may dwell in your hearts by faith. You know, that the the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. The burden moving, yoke destroying power of God lives on the inside of every believer. But it doesn't do us any good if we don't have faith for it. It can be there, the power of God can be there, but if I, don't have, if I don't have an understanding that he's there and what he's there for, I won't experience the thing God wants me to experience. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able what? To comprehend with all saints. So, so there, there must be, Paul says, a comprehension of these things, an understanding of these things. Bible, a word, covenant full of promises. But if I don't understand them, if I don't grasp them, if I don't allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten me, the Bible says I won't be able to understand the depths, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depths of God. I won't experience that. Then he goes on in verse 19 in closing. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, human knowledge, that you might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Think about that. The fullness of God is at at our disposal. What Moses wanted, what all those Old Testament believers wanted, what Abraham wanted, we have access to now. The fullness of God is ours. Stand to your feet tonight. We're going to pray. Father, these are your covenant people. These are those, Father, that have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Your children, Lord God, who have been birthed into your family by the power of the Holy Ghost. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are now fit for heaven, O God. But yet, there are things, O God, you want us to experience before we go. God, begin to give to us divine revelation, O oh God, of who we are in Him. Begin to open our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears. Open up our hearts, O oh God, into the things that have been freely given to us by way of your cross and by way of your resurrection. Begin, O oh God, to take us from ordinary into the supernatural. May we glorify you, God, by walking in signs, wonders, and miracles in our, in, the, in our generation in this season. May we develop, oh God, by the grace of God, the mind of Christ. May we begin to think like he thinks. May we begin to view life the way Jesus viewed life when he was on the earth. Free, free, free to live at your feet in divine glory. Pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus tonight that as we leave today, we will allow the Holy Spirit to confirm these words as we act on these things. May your power be released. May you be glorified in doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. And we'll meet, uh, God willing, next Wednesday. Amen. Oh, yeah, Friday. Yeah, before y'all go, Friday night, don't miss it.
Amen. It's prayer night. That is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. God is doing some things. 